Welcome in on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon, the Bill Michaels Show. Rocking on. Good stuff. Um, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, uh, that's the way to do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Uh, getting back into it. Now, we've gone through the uh, th- four, excuse me, five out of the uh, five out of the ten, or excuse me, five out of the eight um, divisions in the NFL. We've got the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East, Baltimore winning the AFC uh, North, the AFC South by Jacksonville, Kansas City winning the AFC West yet again, and Philadelphia winning the NFC East. We move on to the NFC South, and that's kind of a that's kind of a toss-up. You know, you really kind of wonder what's going to go on with Atlanta. Because you got Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, drafted last year in the third round. He is now the guy. Taylor Heineke is right behind him in case he should falter. So, And they picked up, uh, you know, a big uh, left guard and Matthew Bergeron this past year in the second round. They picked up the running back, B. John Robinson, which I think was a tremendous move. They've got Drake London, Matt Collins, Scott Miller, all at the, the wideout position. Uh, their defense their defense is okay. Calais Campbell, been there a long time. Grady Jarrett, uh, you got Bud Dupree, you know, A.J. Terrell at the uh, corner. So they've got some guys. Jeff Okuda uh, back there at that right cornerback position who they picked up from Detroit. Not great, but decent, a name that you would recognize. I, I like Atlanta. I don't know what Desmond Ritter's going to bring. He was solid at Cincinnati. I'll give him that. He was solid at Cincinnati. I just don't think he's ready to take that next step. Then again, who is? Is it Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints? Because they've got some talent. They still have Alvin Kamara. They've got Juwan Johnson over there at the tight end position. Ryan Ramchak at the right tackle, who we all know. And over at the left tackle, Trevor Penning. Rashid Shaheed. And uh, Chris Olave, Chris Olave, I think, uh, is going to come into his own this year. Michael Thomas as well with Derek Carr throwing him the football. Uh, I'm not sure what Dennis Allen is, the head coach, is going to command. But I like, I kind of like the team. Cameron Jordan's still at the left defensive end. Uh, you've got Zach Bond at that linebacking position. They've got some guys, Ter- uh, Teron Mathieu, um over at the, the strong safety position, Marshawn Lattimore still back there at the corner. So I like a lot of the pieces they have in place. I would probably pick New Orleans to win that division at this point. As much as Carolina is ready to make, they feel like they're ready to make a run, picking up Bryce Young. I just don't think Bryce, Bryce Young's ready to go. They still got Adam Thielen, who they picked up out of Minnesota. Uh, uh, DJ Chark is one of their wideouts. Um uh, Terrence Marshall was another guy that they've got. Hayden Hurst, to, who they picked up from Cincinnati, as the tight end. I just don't think they have enough um, de- defense, really, and, and with a young quarterback like that at the helm. Who knows? Maybe Bryce Young comes in and lights it up, but I was never a big Bryce Young fan to begin with. So I'm going to go with New Orleans to win the division, uh, Atlanta to come in second, and then between Carolina and Tampa Bay to battle it out. Now, Tampa Bay, don't forget, they're betting on none other than Baker Mayfield, the progressive guy. That's right. Baker Mayfield is now that quarterback, in case you didn't know, at Tampa Bay. 
He's the man. So, and his backup, Kyle Trask. Who? Kyle Trask is the backup. I don't expect much out of Tampa Bay. So I'm going to say New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, then Tampa Bay. That's the way things go over in the NFC South. The NFC West, man, that's uh, – first of all, Arizona's going to come in dead last. I just book it. Just everything that's gone on in Arizona. Yes, they got a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon, uh, but they still have Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray backing him up as Colt McCoy. Not, Colt McCoy's still in the league. He's been he's 58 years old now. Colt McCoy's still in the league. They got Zach Ertz, who's now on the pup list, by the way, at tight end. But Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, um, Michael Wilson, who they drafted in the third round this year, they've got decent talent at the wideout position. But Kyler Murray still has yet to prove a damn thing other than playing seven games into a season and having good statistics and demanding that he gets all the money, took all the money, and hasn't lived up to anything. Not a fan of Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray. And I was. When Kyler Murray, Murray first came into the league, I was a fan. I, I thought this is a hell of a pickup. He showed a lot of leadership, showed a lot of poise. I thought, okay, they've got something. He's on the rise. And then it's like his ego got too big, and he just felt that he was entitled. And I'm not a fan. He was he was petulant last offseason, and I thought they way overpaid. They should have let him walk. Somebody else would have picked him up, and they would have been just as upset with him as everybody else was. They should have let him walk. Say, go ahead and go. Get out of here. We don't need you. We'll go after another quarterback. And then take a couple of steps back and then kind of go from there. Uh, but don't forget, they were coming up with some veterans. They still had uh, J.J. Watt. They were still trying to win something. Still had Andre Hopkins. They felt that they were a team on the cusp, so they had to pay him, and that's what they did. And now they're stuck with that albatross around their neck. Uh, in the meantime, I, you know, the X factor in all of this could be the Rams. I just don't know what to make of the Rams. Um, still have Van Jefferson. Cooper Cup now with a hamstring injury, so he's down at least four weeks is what they're saying. Matthew Stafford trying to have a comeback year with Stetson Bennett, who they drafted in the fourth round out of Georgia behind him. Um, they picked up a little bit of uh, offensive line help. They picked uh, Steve uh, Avia, I think, is who they picked up at the guard position. Uh, Tyler Higby is their tight end, solid there. But I just they, they haven't been the same team since they lost Von Miller. They still have Aaron Donald. He's solid. Marquise Copeland up front, defensive end. Jordan Fuller at the strong safety. I like a lot of the pieces they have in place. I just don't think they're the same team. Sean McVay's really going to have to work hard to make something of this team, although I don't believe they end up dead last. I think the team that wins the division is going to be San Francisco. Looking at San Fran, they've got so much. They've just got so much talent. Between Ayuk, Samuel, Jawan Jennings, they got Danny Gray, Chris Conley. They, they're, they're pretty loaded. They're pretty deep at the tight end, or excuse me, at the wideout position. George Kittle at the tight end position. They just, you know, Christian McCaffrey running the football. They're just loaded with weapons, loaded with weapons. And if they can get Bosa back into camp and make him happy, uh, then they've got the band back together with Armstead and company up front and Dre Greenlaw and, and kind of go from there. They're still the best team. Now, they need a quarterback. Is it going to be Brock Purdy? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Sam Darnold? I mean, who's it going to be? you got to figure Brock Purdy's the guy that's in the lead to get that job and to keep that job and to hang on to that job. But Trey Lance is still waiting in the wings as the uh, first-round draft choice from 2021, who hasn't been able to prove himself. But I just like what San Francisco has. And, and, and if San Francisco can win with Brock Purdy again, 
you're just proving that as long as you've got a really deep team, you can carry an average to have, you know, above average quarterback, which gives all these other teams hope out there if you put a good roster together the way they have. But I still got San Francisco. Then I've got Seattle. Although it's going to be interesting because I don't. Does Geno Smith have the same season he had last year? Now, I like, I love the fact that they picked up Smith and Jigba. They got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, who they picked up in the first round. Holy mackerel. You talk about a plethora of weapons to throw to. And that doesn't even include Noah Fant, who they've got from Denver at the tight end position. Their defense is solid. They picked up Devon Witherspoon as well as a corner in the first round. So I, I like the fact that they've upgraded. I still think they could give San Francisco a run for their money if San Francisco's quarterback play is up in the air. But can Geno Smith replicate, duplicate, do what he did last season? And if he can, they're going to be pressing San Fran. If he can't, then they're going to be a distant second to what San Francisco puts up. So just looking at that, I'm going to say uh, you've got San Francisco winning that division, Seattle a close second, followed by the Rams, and Arizona sucking swamp water out there in the desert. That's what I got. Then that brings us to the mighty NFC North. It was funny. I was uh, looking at the uh, ESPN put out the rankings a little while ago of the top 14 teams uh, that are kind of guaranteed to go back to the postseason. And I'm looking and I'm looking and, I, you know, you see you, you see what you see. You know, you see Kansas City up there. They've got Philadelphia up there. Surprisingly, they have Dallas because of the talent they have. The only detriment will be Dak Prescott, as we all know. So then on top of that, you got, you know, Buffalo and then you see San Francisco. Everybody believes in San Francisco, Cincinnati because of Joe Burrow, Jacksonville, a lot of these teams that we picked. They've got Seattle. Uh, at eighth, the Chargers, we picked the Chargers. The Ravens, we picked the Ravens. Miami, we picked Miami. Number 12, Minnesota. Now, remember, a lot of people were picking the, the Detroit Lions to win the division. And the Vikings went 13-4. and four. By every other measure, they were average or worse. They were outscored. The FPI ranked them as the 16th best team. Football Outsiders was even more dramatically out on Kevin O'Connell's team, ranking it 27th. And you already know why. I mean, the Vikings went an unprecedented 11-0 in one-score games last year. 11-0. I don't think it's going to happen again. The Vikings trying to retool both sides of the football this offseason, getting rid of Zedaria Smith, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, investment in younger players like Byron Murphy, Marcus Davenport, all those things need to pay off. The good news for the Vikings is they're not going to need uh, those 13 wins to make it to the postseason. They're in a weaker conference, and the lineup in the NFC North pretty much wide open. And the Packers moving on from Jordan Love. We all know that. Or moving on to Jordan Love. Um, we all know that. So when you start to look at this division, I still believe that Minnesota – offensively speaking, has the firepower. I'm going to go with Minnesota to win the division. Now, the question becomes, what does Detroit do? Does Detroit, Detroit go back to being Detroit? Or does Detroit take the next step forward? And Jared Goff last year had a hell of a season, if you, by all accounts, if you look at his numbers. We've talked about that. I still believe, though, Minnesota wins the division. Detroit 
maybe a close second. And at the bottom, you've got the Packers and the Bears battling it out. Now, who determines the bottom? I think a couple of things. I think the Packers overall are a better team than Chicago. I think the quarterback play is obviously the unknown. I'm not going to say better or worse. I'm just going to say it's an unknown. We know Justin Fields can win. We know he's got better talent around him. We know he's in, what, his third year in the league now when it comes to being a starter. As opposed to Jordan Love, who's taken over the team, he has not won a game in the National Football League yet, and we don't know if he can win. I still think the Packers' overall better roster gets them further. Minnesota wins the division. Probably 10 or 11 wins wins you the division. Detroit, maybe 10 wins. They're right there. And the Packers and the Bears are going to be sitting right around 7 to 8 wins. And it may come down to the head-to-head that's going to determine, which you could always go to maybe the first week of the season. Could be the dictating factor. But I'm still going to say that the Packers have a better depth of roster than what Chicago does. So if I, you, I'm going to pick, but I'm going to say Minnesota, Detroit, Green Bay, Chicago. And that's the way it goes. So going around the league, you got Buffalo winning the AFC East, Baltimore winning the AFC North. I've got Jacksonville in the AFC South. Kansas City in the AFC West. Philadelphia in the NFC East. I've got the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North. The New Orleans Saints in the NFC South. And San Francisco in the NFC West. That's the way the predictions go. So there you have it. Uh, Don't know if you got the same, but at least we can compare some notes so you got uh, some discussions. There you go. Uh, By the way, uh, Dwayne says ESPN came out with the Packers winning only five games this year. <laughs> uh, I think the Packers. Well, maybe they do. Who knows? I said seven and a half, seven, eight wins somewhere in there. Couple of losses, couple of freak, uh, freak issues. Sure, they could end up only winning five games. I hope they don't, but that that could be, it could be real. Uh, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Got to say thanks to our friends at Steny Second and National Walkers Point when the uh, Brewers come back home. Shuttles are running from Stenny's. Shuttles run to the uh, State Fair as well if you're looking to go to the State Fair from Stenny's. Although they run shuttles to damn near everything. So if you're looking for a great place, kind of what I've always called the Cheers of Milwaukee, that is, there is no better place. Best sports bar, best camaraderie. It's a melting pot. It's awesome. That is our friends at Stenny's. And as they say, you should be here. Coming up next, our guy, Mike Clemens, to take us the rest of the way. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm coming. Hi, Mark Tauscher. Boy, you just never know when or where you're going to pop up. This time, it's my house. Can I come in? Uh, you're already standing in my living room. Ah, Tausch, you have mosquitoes in here. Oh, yeah. It's like an insect zoo right now at my house. Heads up, here comes that wasp again. Incoming! Shoo! You need Palace 250 series of windows with exclusive hidden screens. They fit inside the actual window and protect you from nature. Okay, now that's just brilliant. Yes, please. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin to the rescue. You got anything to drink around here? Yeah, just go right ahead and make yourself at home, I guess. Ooh, root beer. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, bundle and save. Get a 250 series patio door and eight double hung windows with hidden screens for as low as $188 per month. 
Visit PellaWI.com today. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 831-23. Payne Manning? Mm -hmm. Oh, it feel good because, you know, we beat Payne Manning in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know, for, um, got a little advance. You know, got a little, got a little advance off that. So it was always good to see Payton. You're the king of good trash talk, though. Did you say anything to him today? Uh, Nah, I just take the ball from his son every time I see him. <laughs> Punch it out or something. Start smiling. That's all. Welcome back. Good to have you. Jair, talking about the beginning of uh, camp and Peyton Manning being there. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Master Z's. Don't forget, summer's not over by any stretch. Head outside. New patio furniture, umbrellas. Fire pits, both wood and gas. They've got it all. Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Call them 262-746-5931 for all of the in-store specials. Again, see it today, get it tomorrow. That's Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Joining us now on the line, our guy, Mike Clemens, is here. Michael, how you doing today, pal? Very good. I, I was thinking about this last night that, you know what, if you're one of these young players, particularly Jordan Love, what are you going to remember most from training camp 2023 was the day you spent with Peyton Manning, probably, really, mm -hmm, um, right. besides all the drills and the preseason and the competition for jobs and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, Peyton Manning has a, a series on this Netflix right now called Quarterback that it's, it's, it's above and beyond hard knocks. A lot of the footage kind of looks like another hard knocks show. What makes a difference is that they followed – Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, who go on to win the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings that had a great season but flamed out at the end. And Marcus Mariota with the Falcons, who, you know, by November or so, is having a baby, he's having some personal problems, having some injuries, and ends up like walking away from the team. So they mm -hmm. could not have picked three better candidates for, you know, the highest high, the middle of the road, or, you know, the bottom of the barrel than those three quarterbacks. And those three guys talked about all the things that we normally can't get these players to talk about, and that's what's the off season like? What's it take to get be committed to get you know strap it back up and go back into that dogfight again for another six or seven months and seventeen regular season games? And what's it like to get through the week you know with the pain? So that's a tremendous show that's out there right now, and already probably going to get some awards. And Peyton's Omaha Productions have done it, so everybody thought. Wait, is that Peyton Manning over there? And he's on the field, and he's talking to the players at the end of practice when they huddle, and he's walking in with them. I followed Peyton as he was walking with LaFleur off the practice field, and the coaches were like, here, you want to follow us this way? We can get you into the building. He said, you know, I'll, I'll go out and sign a few. And he went outside the fence, and he walked down that bike path on Military Avenue from the Nitschke practice field back to the stadium back to the football facility signing autographs as he walked along the way and i just thought that was kind of a mm -hmm. cool moment certainly was for the fans yeah but the reason he's here was apparently mark murphy asked him to come here so it's really? not because he was it's not because he was here to ask jordan love hey do you want to be a candidate on the quarterback show this year because he's already been renewed for a second year but we were told, ask Mark about it. Uh, yeah, so here I've got, a, I've got a crazy theory. 
you know, Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, as soon as they secured Aaron Rodgers, man, he went into full marketing mode to, to pump as much excitement into that Jets franchise as he can because they think they're pretty good on, you know, special teams and defense and they got plenty of talent. They just needed a quarterback. They hired an NFL Films crew and they've got, you know, a hard knocks quality uh, one hour video on the story behind Aaron Rodgers coming there. And I, I wonder if Mark right. Murphy sees that and says, we need something like that for the Green Bay Packers. Let's hire, let's hire Peyton Manning's company. So Jordan Love talked about, yeah, he walked into the facility to start another day at training camp, and there's Peyton Manning standing there waiting for him. It was awesome seeing Peyton. Um, that was the first thing I saw when I walked into the indoor for practice. It was him standing there. Um, so it was awesome. Yeah, we talked for a good amount of time before practice. It's just on wide receivers, kind of how his role was with the receivers when he was young, kind of starting out, communication with coaches, things like that. He was asking me pretty much if everybody was on the same page in terms of me with the plays, with guys, if everybody's good communication. And uh, I was pretty much telling him, yeah, we have a really good communication around here. But I was just kind of asking him how that was with him. And I think he, t he talked about that to the team in the team meeting room um, as well, just hinting that that's one of the biggest things that he felt was what made the Colts so good when he played with them was just how well they communicated with each other, how well they bonded as a team. He had a lot of really good gems just in, in terms of taking notes, um, how you watch film, you know, when you're at home by yourself, are you writing down questions, things that you can come back, ask your coaches later. How are you asking to be coached? Like, are you a guy that, you know, wants to be coached really hard? Are you a guy that kind of just wants to be able to do your own thing? And it, it all matters. He, he, he said that when he was a player, that was his biggest thing, was he wanted to be coached really hard. He always wanted to be told what he was doing wrong and, and things like that. Now, he is famous for his study, uh, Peyton Manning is, for all the things that he used to do, whether it was sitting in the tub with a pad or watching film and then writing his, his notes. I mean, wasn't it, Mike? Didn't he have, like, just stacks and stacks and stacks of these big notebooks? He did. As a matter of fact, and, you know, he turned around his, his career, too. Coming out of the Tennessee Volunteers, I think they were 3-13 and 13 first year, then 13-3 and three in the playoffs the next year. A ton of, you know, interceptions, and they – you know, he figured it out in his second year. But, yeah, as Jordan Love was talking about that, I remembered that we talked about this back in 2008 on the show because there was a reporter that covered the Colts, longtime beat reporter, who told me Peyton Manning's got a shelf of spiral notebooks. So, in other words, when, you know, he's got that week of preparation and he's going against the Falcons this week, and he writes down everything he saw in the game film, and and everything, and then immediately after a game, he would write down stuff. And so he puts those those spiral notebooks in chronological order. And you're it's amazing how much you can remember. Wait a minute, that was three years ago. We played that guy. That was our coordinator. That's who I'm facing this week. And you find that up on the shelf, and it helps the memory bring that back. So I asked Manning about that. This is a telephone call I had with Manning in 2008 about his notebook collection of. Of notes. I always think when you watch film, you always ought to have a pen and paper with you. There's no point in watching film if you don't have something to write down, what you see and what you think. And, and so I sort of started that in uh, college. Uh, I just kind of carried on through, you know, in, in the pro ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I don't know how many, you know, a lot of, a lot of notes. So I just kind of go through, you know, kind of what I see on film and something that hits me, you know, as a reminder to, to do. And, um, you know, a thought that comes to my mind, maybe an idea for a play or just a reminder of what this defense is doing. So, you know, I think the key is, is you're taking notes on the opponent as you're playing them during the week. But also you need to take notes on the, on the team you just played. And especially, you know, these teams – 
teams you could easily see again if you're fortunate to get into the playoffs. Obviously, all your division teams you'll play twice. I mean, heck, I mean, you know, these defensive coordinators move around. You might see a guy on a different team two or three years later. You go back to those notes and kind of talk about what you did, what worked against them, and, and, and things, kind of the philosophy that you thought it was. And so it's just kind of the way I've sort of learned throughout my career here. You wonder, Mike, if uh, kids today actually take handwritten notes, you know? Right, his dad is on a tablet. And so I asked Jordan Love, you know, hey, wait a minute, you've been sitting here for three years, and you've watched Aaron Rodgers go through the game tape and the preparation for the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions. You know, have you been keeping notebooks these three years as the backup? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I take notes every week. Um, I, mean, I think everybody on the team pretty much takes a good amount of notes. Um, but being able to have that kind of those notes you can go back to on, you know, teams you played in the past, um, those are always good. I like to keep all that stuff. But Peyton, that's another thing he, he mentioned was like um, just his game, his game film um, prep the week going to a game um, and how serious he took that, how he watched, you know, he says he watched four games um, on Monday before he even come to the week. Um, he'd watch all the film before he comes to the meeting to know exactly what he's going to be seeing, what looks he might have questions for and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just goes down to that preparation. Um, that's a big takeaway we took away from him. You know, it's 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 great because you don't necessarily have to be Peyton Manning, but, uh, man, if you're smart, you take away a little something from everybody and every experience, you know? Sure, sure. So let's make this clear. Uh, when the head coach, Matt LaFleur, found out that Peyton Manning was coming to the building to meet with Mark Murphy, then he said he reached out to Peyton and said, hey, while you're here, do you mind, you know, talking to my players, maybe – a team meeting, coming to practice, those kinds of things. Peyton brought along, you know, his little son there, and uh, and and he he agreed to it. Yeah, sure, I'll talk to your guys. Which I think was perfect timing, Bill. Perfect timing to bring a guy of that stature and that success, all the success he's had post football, all the stuff he's doing that turns to gold. And uh, I think that was a brilliant move, you know, by Lafleur that he took advantage of at this early point in camp and. And it even brought back memory for for Matt Lafleur as he was an assistant coach, starting out in the league back in 2008. I'll never forget, and I told the team this. In 2008 was the first time I was with the Houston Texans, and we're playing Indy, and we're up 17 late in the fourth quarter. And to watch this guy bring his team back, and of course beat us in the two-minute drive and score 21 points basically in about a five-minute span. So it was a great lesson early in my coaching career about, I mean, you got you to gotta play till that clock says zero. And I'll never forget sitting up in that press box when we're up 27-10 thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to beat the Indianapolis Colts and only to see it evaporate quickly. So it was a tough lesson to learn, but I think it's one of those necessary things that you all got to go through. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out, bottom of the hour here, take a break, come back. we got more of Mike Clemens coming up. This portion of the program brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, and just a mile from Lambeau Field. Perfect for a family stay in the Bay Family Restaurant. Uh, Homestyle cooking seven days a week. Good old-fashioned Bay Family Restaurant right there. The Bay Motel, South Military Avenue in Green Bay. Call them today for reservations, uh, 920-494-3441. 920-494-3441. Or right now, go online at baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. More with Mike Clemens coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show.
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm coming. Hi, Mark Tauscher. Boy, you just never know when or where you're going to pop up. This time, it's my house. Can I come in? Uh, you're already standing in my living room. Ah, uh, Tausch, you have mosquitoes in here. Oh, yeah. It's like an insect zoo right now at my house. Heads up, here comes that wasp again. Incoming. Shoo! You need Pella's 250 series of windows with exclusive hidden screens. They fit inside the actual window and protect you from nature. Okay, now that's just brilliant. Yes, please. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin to the rescue. You got anything to drink around here? Yeah, just go right ahead and make yourself at home, I guess. Ooh, root beer. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, bundle and save. Get a 250 series patio door and eight double hung windows with hidden screens for as low as $188 per month. Visit PellaWI.com today. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 831.23. You know, unfortunately, it's just sometimes it's time to move on. And uh, I I know I understand the timing wasn't great in terms of it being his birthday. But um, you guys know this business never stops. It's your birthday. Go shawty. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a car. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, it's tough to get cut on your birthday. Mike Clemens joining us uh, on the hotline, and uh, Mike, yeah, it's it's never uh, good when you're you know you put out that oh by the way, happy birthday, uh, you're cut. <laughs> it's just not a good look. No, here's the other thing too. Jonathan Garvin is a guy that at times last year, after the Zadarius Smith moved down, there's came to say, well, who's going to fill up that outside linebacker spot? And Joe Barry was talking about Garvin. I mean, the, the door was open. And he, you know, he had some good games. He had some good plays. But for two years in a row, he skips the OTAs. He was kind of a tough guy to get to know. You know, and there's some ways that he, it just didn't seem like he had matured as a NFL football player. He gets to this camp, and like, you know, the second day or third day, he's got some sort of a ailment, and he stands on the sidelines, you know, for a practice. And then, and then, if <laughs> it's his birthday. And the Packer PR department puts out, hey, happy birthday, Jonathan Garvin, when three hours later, you know, he's coming off the practice field and they're releasing him and cutting him. Right. So that, that was the most awkward moment of this camp. But here's another thing that's going on. Matt LaFleur puts in something new into his practices, which is this competition and consequences, where uh, at the end of practice, he'll say, all right, you know, this is game-like condi- uh, conditions. We're keeping score here. And if the defense can keep you out of the end zone, they win. If the offense can score, they win. They do it whether it's two minutes red zone uh, or you know they got they got four or five minutes left in the game. They got to go 80 yards. And so far, the offense is 0-5 now against the defense. I don't know if that necessarily means the defense is terrific. I think it's a lot of it the part that they're still installing the playbook every day. But every day, I and mean, what's that got to do for the morale of the offense when they've got to do push-ups or sit-ups or up-downs or whatever the defense picks? And so I asked LaFleur about that situation. With how much longer are you going to have the competition period in practice? Will you do it Saturday night at family night? Yeah, every, every time we go out there, we're going to have one dedicated. I mean, there's competition in every period, but that's the one where we're going to have a consequence for. Where did you get that idea? Um, you know, going back to 
probably my time in Atlanta where we always would have competitions and there'd be a consequence for the, the team that didn't get it done or the side of the ball that didn't get it done. And so I just also going back to last season, we started implementing more competition periods as the season progressed. And I thought our team got better. I thought there was more intensity to the practice. I thought there was more focus. And I thought that's when you started to see us, you know, really improving. So that's something that we'll probably do moving forward as well. Interesting, Mike. That, and you know what? I'm I'm glad because it builds camaraderie. I mean, brings a whole you know side of the unit together to say, hey, let's let's not get beat again this week and or this day, what have you. So I'm all in favor of it. Whenever you got guys on the field that are taking ownership of it, because because of whether it's a consequence or be winning the moment, whatever, I'm all in favor of that. So you know what he's doing? He's borrowing from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll famously, and we know this from our trips to Super Bowl, when the Seahawks were going to the Super Bowls back-to-back years there. Um, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, it's comp- every day it's a different kind of competition, but Pete Carroll's regular season practices to keep score up on the scoreboard. And the Legion of Boom and those guys back then talked about that it, it made the practice go by faster. It made more fun. It was like there was a little something on it, and his defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, became a head coach of the Falcons, who hired this young guy, Matt LaFleur, to be a quarterback's coach, and so Matt experienced that through Dan Quinn, and, you know, Pete Carroll before that on have these competitions, make it feel more like a game, you know, have a little something on it, so, you know, so now LaFleur's decided to kick that up one step, and now guys are doing sit-ups and push-ups and that kind of thing. You you, you know, you hope you're not going to lose the players at some point over that we'll see but Aaron Rodgers made this comment in the Jets camp that I found interesting about you know he, he's saying without saying that you know what those two years I came back to Green Bay and had back-to-back MVPs was all about Nathaniel Hackett maybe not so much Matt LaFleur or then the then offensive line coach Adam Stenovich who's now the offensive coordinator and so Rogers was asked, you know, you're 39 years old here in this Jets camp. Do you consider yourself like a player coach like Kobe Bryant was at the end of his career? And Rogers talked about a guy who was in the NBA for 18 seasons with different teams that was a seven foot one. This is Rogers. I've always been a basketball player. And when I was a young person, I remember playing or watching basketball and seeing Tree Rollins, who was a player coach. And, um, I don't look at myself like Tree in that in that scenario, but um, I do know that being an older player on the team, that's part of the responsibility is to, to teach a little bit more. Luckily, this is a great staff that Nate has hired on the offensive side of the ball. I know the offense really well. We kind of uh, collaborated in the offseason of 2020, and this is a lot of the stuff that we did in 2020 and 2021. Um, so it's exciting to be back uh, uh, in this style. Uh, that I know really well, um, and I'm just enjoying my time with Todd and Rob in the room, and the staff is really solid uh, on the offensive side, defense side as well. But I know the offensive side better, and I'm, I've been enjoying the conversations and testing the guys every single day because I don't like wasting reps. So if we're going to be out here, whether it's a walkthrough rep or a individual rep, let's make sure we're getting something out of it. Um, interesting in the sense that he's kind of the player coach and he's the collaborator with, as he calls him, Nate. Now you fast forward that 
And you say, okay, so what has Jordan Love worked on and taken away? You know what I mean, Mike? I mean, how has that kind of been the trickle-down effect after Aaron Rodgers left here? What has Jordan Love done to kind of pick up the pick up the baton, so to speak? Actually, after watching Jordan yesterday and these little improvements he's making, I think he's kind of methodical. Like because, you know, the first uh, practice or two last week uh, in helmets and shorts, he was throwing uh, on deep routes and the ball was – if the receiver is in the end zone, the ball is landing on the five. Like, did somebody run the wrong route? Does this guy not have enough arm? What the hell's going on? And so then he knows he has to work on that. So the, by, by the time you get to Saturday, he's throwing these these dimes, 45 yards downfield to Christian Watson, best-case scenario. And so, I, you know, one thing that I think that's going to happen, Bill, is this. They finished the installing the game plan or the, uh, the the playbook, maybe by this week. And for the rest of this camp, those three preseason games, if Jordan Love can just be a good conductor and game manager, because a young team is going to have nine penalties for 100 yards and pre-snap penalties, right? They're going to jump off sides. They're going to do dumb stuff, and that's going to kill you. And if he can eliminate that. So Jordan Love said, yeah, you know what? I've been working on, on the deep ball first, and then, then, then the next thing comes. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's it's all about what you focus on, and that's been a, a key for me is I really wanted to focus after that first day is completing those deep balls. I felt like I was underthrowing them a little bit. Um, and, you know, Matt, we talked about it again, just letting it rip, and that's been my mindset is just, just throw it out there, give them a chance to go get it. Um, if I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss deep. I'm not going to underthrow any balls. So um, that's been my mindset and something I've been focusing on, and obviously now the footwork thing um, is something that I want to focus on now too. Also, Mike, as much as we talk about Jordan Love, the defense has to get some attention as well. They've been good in practice and in training camp so far, but uh, figuring out that secondary is going to be a big issue. Yeah, and the big glaring hole to me is no Adrian Amos back there on the back end at safety. He signed with the Jets, and they got Rudy Ford back there right now alongside Darnell Savage starting at safety. I said, you know, was it when you got that pick last year that they started looking at you as more as a potential starter than just some special teams guy? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it just got to show, um, you know, for one, the uh, talent level um, that I am capable of doing just besides special teams. But also, you know, uh, like I said, it's just a blessing. Just approach everything uh, one day at a time and uh, just continue trying to grow and trying to get better at position. Is, is this the best opportunity you've had? Yeah, 100%. This this has been, well, this has been also, um, you know, even when I was in Jacksonville, I got to play, uh, I was at Nickel, um, up under, um, up under coach uh, Joe Cullen, up under his defense, um, I got to play Nickel, so, um, but just, just finish, uh, just coming over here and stuff like that, give me a chance, opportunity to play, uh, safety and showing I can do, yeah, this has been the best one. What have the coaches told you, if anything, about what they're looking for as far as what's going to tip the scales on who starts? Um, they haven't said anything about what's going to tip the scales. Um, like I said, um, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I just approach every day, one day at a time. Um, Mike, defensively speaking, the other guy that I've got a lot of uh, question marks about, that's going to be Quay Walker. And not just uh, being tenacious against the run and getting better there, but also kind of the controlling of the, the emotions, so to speak. We saw a couple of incidents last year that weren't good. He got ejected twice. He's been talking to the team psychologist, Chris Carr, about those things. And I'm going to get more into that maybe the next time we talk. I'd like to skip ahead, though. Um, uh, what I, Austin is, is talk about Jair Alexander, because we all remember how Justin Jefferson ran uncovered, 
on that opener against the Vikings. And then we heard the stories that there was some infighting between Jair, Joe Barry about this zone defense, and Jair wants to be on the number one receiver. Well, now Jair's on the number one receiver. He's following Christian. He's traveling with Christian Watson through the whole thing. And, you know, um, Jerry Gray, the secondary coach, he moved on to a, a job with the Falcons, and they've got a new secondary coach in Greg Williams. So Jair was asked point blank, what was the dispute on the defensive game plan between the defensive backs and the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, last season? I mean, I think last year we was making a bunch of excuses for ourselves. And, you know, I mean, you know, Joe Barry can go out and, and call whatever call he wants to. But at the end of the day, we got to execute that call. And I think we were making a lot of excuses for why we wasn't, you know, especially early on in the year. At this point, like, we all good enough on the, in the defense to, like, execute the call, you know. So it's not, I don't think at this point it's about the call. It's about how we execute it, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing that – that we've come together as a defense on. It seems like there's been a little bit of a talking to, like, hey, you can make all the excuses you want for not, you know, having the what call you feel would have worked, but if you don't go out and execute, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. And I know that Jair's talked about that. I'm only worrying about what I can do as opposed to what everybody else is doing. So good stuff. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got uh, one final segment to go. Mike Clemens joining us on board. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Summer's winding down, but Road America is still racing. Get your tickets and family fun information at RoadAmerica.com. That's RoadAmerica.com. especially the guys that are very talented come in. You see the flashes right away. It's can, you know, it's can we do it down in and, and down out within the scheme and make plays within the scheme or what the coaches are asking them to do. So the consistency part is, I think, for all young players is what we're constantly looking at. It's one thing to flash and make plays um, off your natural ability and what you've known in the past, but can you take everything that's being taught to you and, and make plays within that, that scheme? I think that's kind of what you're looking for. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michaels Show, wrapping things up here on a Wednesday. Still a little bit more left with our guy Mike Clemens up in Green Bay, Bay brought to you by the Bay Motel Green Bay, baymotelgreenbay.com, baymotelgreenbay.com. And, uh, Mike, you know, the biggest question is you got veterans, you know, you've got younger guys, older guys mixed in, but the team got a lot younger. But one of the veterans is still David Bakhtiari, and uh, he is bound to determine to make the offensive line one of the best ever, isn't he? Yeah, Bakhtiari is practicing every other day, but he wants to be 100% ready for 17-game regular season. And, you know, this is a guy who now has grown into the role of a, a veteran on the team. And I went to him, I said, you know, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekinds, even Matt LaFleur, they're pretty much asking the fans for, for patience for the season. What do you make of that? How do you feel about that as a veteran about what this team is capable of doing? I think it's a big question, Mark. There's a lot of guys who haven't played a lot of football that, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a new, it's a new look. And that's exciting because you don't know, really know what to expect. You know, when teams are even going to be scouting us, we can even say specifically on offense, you know, how much film are we really going to be able to look through? They got decades worth of film they can find some stuff on me and try and see. But 
you look at too many guys, you really don't know what they are capable of. And that's the part that's exciting. And, you know, with it, I know young, having a young team, there's growing pains. Uh, I remember when I was a rookie, like, there's just, you just have to mess up, which is fine. It's what, you're, what you do once you do mess up and how you respond to it. I think that's the patience thing we're talking about now, the duration of time. I mean, who knows? It could be, could be two weeks. could be 12 weeks. I mean, that's how this team can respond, the identity we establish as we go week in and week out. There you go. That's David Bakhtiari. And, uh, Mike, uh, to him it's a giant question mark, no doubt. I, and he's being real about it. He's being real about it. So on defensive line, you know, they're kicking out Kenny Clark. You can't be a nose tackle and take 65 hits on double teams. You know, you want to preserve that guy. They move him out to left uh, tackle or left defensive end, and T.J. Slayton will take some of those nose tackle hits, maybe Devontae Wyatt. Uh, and and then Preston Smith is out there at outside linebacker. Uh, they got Devondre Campbell back. You know, Rashawn Gary. Maybe they get him by September or so. Maybe they'll use Justin Hollins along with their first round pick Lucas Van Ness uh, to get that defensive front going. But that's some of the stuff we're seeing in in practice. Zach Tom taking the reps at center. Maybe he'll unsee Josh Myers for the first team center, or there's just the versatility thing but yeah there's something there's a new lineup every day in training camp so far mike great stuff as always bud we'll talk to you soon okay have fun at the fair buddy all right buddy talk to you later there you go that's our guy mike clemens and that'll do it that'll wrap up our day good stuff tomorrow we're going to be at the wisconsin state fair find us at the bud pavilion inside the goose island alehouse tomorrow looking forward to it until then time for us to go have a good one Sweet.